housing crisis is wreaking havoc nationally. Our podcast discusses how it is playing out specifically in Black Berkeley, California, chronicling the lived experiences behind what people call gentrification, detailing our endeavor for our right to stay and our right to return, brought to you by Healthy Black Families. I am your host, Deb, and this is Telling Our Stories, The Housing Chronicles. Welcome. Greetings, everyone. I'm here today with Alan Downs. Hi, Alan Downs. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about what you do? I am, for the most part, these days, a real estate developer. Um, That means that I try to spend my day... um, creating the built environment that we live in, the dwellings that we live and work in, uh, play in. And um, what that means is during the course of a day that I'm going to have a range of things that I have to have some um, participation in from legal um, analysis, some kind of financial planning and and strategy. Um, I have to be a politician. I have to be a community advocate. Then I have lunch. And then then you go on with some super engineering, design, environmentalists, et cetera. Uh, but, But all that in the interest of developing the built environment, my particular push and advocacy and efforts there have to do with development of scale. So I don't often engage in building single family homes, for example. Single family homes are very important, but that's not my area of expertise. my area of endeavor really has to do with what you see on the skyline in terms of tall buildings and big, wide, large projects and um, public and private facilities. And what brings you to this work? I am... um, the third generation of my family to in some way be involved in real estate development. Um, I have uh, grandfathers that were involved. One grandfather as a missionary worked all over Africa as well as here in the U.S. Um, And there was always land use involved in that. My father was a contractor, pioneering contractor in many ways, um, in you know, which uh, his companies were based here in Northern California. Um, I also have an uncle who was a real estate developer in Southern California and very accomplished 
I came up through the trades and, you know, I never was very satisfied with my um, circumstances and experience um, first as a person in the trades and as a black person in the trades. Um, because believe it or not, the whole time I was in the trades working in the construction industry, I was a black person working in the construction industry. Yeah, I believe uh, it. Which meant <laughs> I, I sat back oftentimes frustrated by being the last hired and the first fired, despite how hard I worked during the time in between. Um, and I then um, worked to acquire my own contractor's licenses, uh, which um, allowed me to kind of step up and run. Uh, and in an attempt to have more control over my own destiny and a little bit more freedom, um, I, I, I partaked in that industry. Uh, once again, you know, frustrated because I always seem to see other folks, um, which arguably, at least in my thinking, didn't necessarily have my commitment skills and work ethic or even willingness to take the kind of risks that we have to take, seeming to succeed and not only succeed for themselves, but also able to hire their family members, their friends, their community, and their construction undertakings. And I then, um, you know, as my um, remedy, tried to get higher up the the um the hierarchy if you will if you call it that because i don't believe in hierarchies it's just repositioning to a developer which then would give me the ability to hire contractors and really then do something about some of the things i experienced as a construction worker and as a contractor by putting in place not only the ability to develop, <coughs> excuse me, but also by creating opportunities that would address some of the things that I saw as barriers. And now as a developer, I'm finding myself frustrated <laughs> in the same way. You know, I've been able to build uh, a thing or two, but in terms of the kind of long-term participation that I think is not only fair and just, but also essential to um, me and to our community as a whole, succeeding and elevating ourselves. We have to have the ability to sustain participation. And so now I'm a developer, uh, basically addressing the issues that make it difficult for black people as developers to participate in such an important industry. Uh, Alan, I just, that was a long answer. I'm sorry. Let me, let me take time out here to thank you and to thank you for staying in the game. Um, clearly it's literally in your blood. But 
for staying in the game to change it for the betterment of us as a people. And, you know, we all know who's affected the most by hypertension and all kinds of craziness because of the things that you suffered repeatedly as you're working your way up this hierarchy um, to becoming a developer. But you could have very easily, as most do, flanked. Alan, I mean, instead of doing that, what you chose to do is to stay in the game. And I hope and pray that along the way, you've picked up ways of taking care of yourself, ways of deflecting, because we need you for the long haul. And we need you to pass on what you know for those coming after us. So I just, I want to say thank you and that you're appreciated. Well, I thank you for saying that. And um, I want to thank you as well for giving me this forum to be able to just communicate what I did. And also, you know, hopefully today we could be really, and I'm going to try to be very transparent and honest about where we are. Um, I've been really... I've been really um, inspired by, as well as saddened by, you know, the the movie Till that tells the life of Emmett Till. And Mm -hmm. in particular, the fact that um, his mother made a very, very difficult decision to have an open casket funeral. If her son had fallen off a bicycle, fallen down some stairs, or through some other, you know, accident of nature, ended up in the condition that he was in, then perhaps you could argue that a closed casket service would have been appropriate. Um, But She made the decision that because what he experienced was brought about by the hands of people, of men, of human beings, that it was important that the world see what was going on. Unfortunately for us, many times, um, we stoically endure what we go through. Exactly. Sometimes it's it's for vanity purposes, it's for embarrassment purposes. Um, sometimes it's just because we don't really and we're looking inward and we're we're basically you know beating up on ourselves. Um, and what happens is, you know while we all have to be accountable for our decisions and our behaviors and Uh, But we also have to be aware of the fact that when we experience things that are more based on the failings of society, um, that it's important that we make uh, as many in the public aware of what the realities are as we can. So 
yeah, I, I endure a lot. We've achieved a lot, but, you know, relatively speaking, but we also get brutalized and beat up. And there's a lot about that picture that's not very becoming to the naked eye um, until we start to really embrace and understand it that, you know, these are basically things that we have had imposed upon us and we're blessed with the ability thereby to, to use our experience to help raise so that we can overcome, you know, those factors. Absolutely. We can't overcome them if we're hiding everything or if we're not knowledgeable. So, so I'm grateful for the forum to not only talk about our achievements, to not only talk about the knowledge that we've gained and share industry wisdom, but also talk about some of the pain that we're going through and some of the things that may not be that compelling or, or, or I would say that attractive, but definitely need to be understood so that we can make proper adjustments and, you know, we can develop the knowledge from the understanding of it that will allow us to, to, to overcome, you know, challenges and avoid similar issues. Right. Our subjugation ongoing definitely necessitates that we organize and we need to be clear about what happens to us as human beings in the form of a physical body on this planet as we're doing this battle and but also the wins from the organizing and the wins from personal endeavors i mean you 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 come from a lineage of fighters and the fact that you stay and move up this hierarchy and you stay in the fight as an organizer is key. So let's pivot a little bit to the current housing crisis. Would you say the current housing crisis is solvable in the city of Berkeley? I believe that it is definitely solvable, not only in the city of Berkeley, but in the region, in the state, country, and on the planet. I think that we're going to have to become much more knowledgeable in understanding the core causes of the problem. And for example, while I am proudly an affordable housing developer, I also know that my job and role as an affordable housing developer is that of someone addressing the symptoms of a bigger problem. Every affordable unit that I deliver is to address the symptoms of a bigger problem, a core problem. And that is the problem of having the ability to solve our housing problems through our efforts. Right. Meaning having access to the capital. Yes. Right. And access to the resources needed to properly house ourselves. So that we have to get to a point where our economy becomes more holistic and more inclusive 
for the housing problem to ever really be addressed. That's a perfect segue. Um, at Healthy Black Families uh, First People's Assembly, where you were um, on the panel, you said, we need to really think about the true reasons for the worsening of housing problems. Can you speak to this? It's my opinion that the core problem that we face that is causing the housing crisis is the inability to economically participate in this asset class called real estate and at all levels of the real estate industry. It is one of the most important, if not the most important creator of wealth and self-sufficiency that uh, is known to society right now. We have historically uh, been precluded by different mechanisms from really being able to participate to the level that we can not only house ourselves comfortably, but keep up with um, the housing needs of our region and our state. And that, that impacts everyone. So the ability, for example, of us to have not only access to the ownership of real estate, but access to the small business opportunities that real estate reinforces and provides access to the careers and jobs um, that come from, uh, you know, being practitioners in this industry. Um, those are key components of our ability to afford and our and the affordability of our region. So that's that's what right now we have to really start to address more effectively. And in doing so, as we become more knowledgeable of that, then yes, I believe we're, we're going to find an easing housing crisis. We're going to start to see in the long term uh, not only the housing crisis subsiding, dividends being paid to everybody as a result of, you know, the investments that are going to be needed in order to achieve more equitable participation. You know, three years ago today, we were heading into this pandemic, you know, and it was 2020. We knew something was going on, but we didn't know exactly what. And we went through a couple, if not a few months of evolving our knowledge. And we went through a lot of wasted effort. There was a time where all of the Clorox wipes, for example, <laughs> disappeared off the shelf. I, my groceries would be delivered to my house and I'd make them sit on my porch for like a day. And then I'd wipe the brown paper bags down <laughs> Because I did not understand that the virus was airborne. I did not understand how we were being assaulted by that virus. And that lack of knowledge created, you know, my conjuring up as well as public think conjuring up different things to do. But as time went on, one thing that happened with really impressive speed was the ability for us to communicate to the public what the real 
risk and threat was. We all now know what this little round ball with the spikes coming out of it looks like. You know, mm-hmm. four years ago, you could have showed me a picture of that. I wouldn't have known what it was, but it was a really simplified way of communicating a complex problem that was attacking us. And it took the work of state-of-the-art communicators as well as science to really be able to effectively advise the public. And there's some people that are still in denial and sometimes, you know, the science, who knows where we are, we still may not have it completely right. But the point being is that what we're dealing with when it comes to land use, when it comes to development, when it comes to the ability for Black people to participate in this industry, um, it really is getting our arms around some of the complexity around why we've been left out. Despite the fact that we have a lot of great critical thinkers very well-educated people in our community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, despite my education in land use, when that that virus hit, you know, I was doing stuff, you know, that wasn't really effectively protecting me from COVID. And so this is the point that we have to really take on the job a better communicating what the problems are and better under, it starts with first the knowledge of what it is and then the ability for us to make sure that we in the most effective and efficient manner communicate those complexities to our community and to the public. And then finally, through that effective uh, communication of our knowledge, hold people accountable for the real causes. We end up a lot of times holding people accountable for things that we've conjured up. (laughs) And that's not only not effective, but it gives somebody who really knows what the problem is a pass, you know, and a way to discredit us, you know. Yeah, I'm not an axe murderer. I use a gun. You know, they don't know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and so that's that's the challenge. We go, we'll outlaw axes. You know, we'll basically say right, you, can't make, right. you can't make handles. You can't make anything that sharpens axes and everything. And then just finally saying, you know, okay, you know, all right then. You know, we'll pass some legislation. And meanwhile, they're just completely buying bullets loading up their gun that at night going out having a, you know, a field day shooting us down. So that's where we are right now. We have to understand this much more clearly than we have. And we have to also get comfortable with the fact in doing that. We have to get comfortable with the fact that things like affordability, um, affordable housing, is really addressing a symptom of a problem. It's a critical need. And like I always say, band-aids and tourniquets are critical. 
but you have to address what's causing you to need band-aids and tourniquets. And that is the lack of access and ability to utilize not, not other people's money, but our own money, you know? Absolutely. And when the people talk about other people's money, guess who the other people are they're talking about? Especially, you know, when it comes down to dealing with, you know, this use of pension funds, you know, when it's true that over 35% of the pension funds in many communities are people of color. And when it comes down to who has the management of that funding, and hence, who are the people that are going to be coming in, utilizing that resource to develop the properties and make the decision about who's going to be participating in, you know, the recycling of those dollars. That's not us. We're, we're completely locked out of that. And as a result, you know, we end up underachieving when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to small business opportunities, when it comes to the ability to own something, increase the wealth by ownership, transfer that wealth intergenerationally. All of those are the things that I call the ability to afford. And until you start to get your arms around the ability to afford, you're going to always have an affordability problem. And, you know, no matter how much you subsidize, you know, affordability, you're never going to keep up. So we have to get to a point where we properly understand this so that we can make the proper demand for access to our own capital and access to the resources thereby that we can utilize to achieve the self-sufficiency that comes out of having complete access to our, our work and our efforts and our labor and our, and our skills and our creativity, our professional services. Yeah, and to a large extent, our self-determination. Written, edited, and hosted by Deborah Hailu. Telling Our Stories Program Coordinator, Healthy Black Families, Inc. Audio engineered by Adrian Davis and Salim Naji Ullah of One Hitter Entertainment. Shout out to James Shields of Creative Shields for our beautiful podcast artwork. Akila Shaheed, Office and Media Manager at Healthy Black Families, Inc. for the many ways she steps up and bridges our gaps and Wilhelmina Wilson, Executive Director at Healthy Black Families, Inc., for bringing all of this together. Casting out the net of Black love in service of all humanity, this has been Telling Our Stories, The Housing Chronicles. See you next time.